Okay, Miranda's going to be here in just a second, and then we will invite her up, and uh, we will then, um, here we go. Okay, NM Hawaii. All right, Miranda, let's do this. I'm going to bring you up here right now. Here we go. All right. So Miranda's going to be joining in now, and uh, we're going to have a we're gonna have a fun conversation tonight. Hey, Miranda. Hey, Will. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm excited. You know, I got to show you something. I've got this just to represent our discussion that we're doing right now. Oh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll give everybody a little bit of a background. Uh, Miranda, you uh, you have a financial planning business, and you're you're based in Hawaii. And, you know, I know you work with clients all over the country and, you know, as we've gotten to know each other, there's, there's a number of things that, that come up that I thought would be fun to talk about. And, you know, one of them is, you know, your, your ability to use what you know about communication to be more effective with your clients. In fact, I saw the article, um, you know, the alumni magazine article uh, that I saw about you, about your ability to use that background to take advantage of a small window of time your busy clients have uh, in order to, to be relevant really quickly. So it'd be great if you could share a little bit about, you know, how do you think about that? Yeah, so I have my undergrad in communication and finance, and I always think that communication is really applicable for any industry that you're in. And I never, you know, wanted to go to college saying, hey, I'm going to study communication. It just happened my freshman year. I was in a public speaking class. And it was a required one, and I didn't like it at all, but the professor was really inspiring. And she said to do things that scare you, and speaking really scares me. That's why I don't really go on videos that much on Instagram. But um, I said, I might as well just make that my degree and see what kind of opportunities are there. And then I, I noticed, right, when it comes to business, there are a lot of um, sayings there that people may be really good at finance or accounting, but sometimes they don't always know how to communicate that, or they don't know how to say things in layman's terms, or how to be relevant in that way, where it's understandable to the client or to the person. So I really try to focus on that and, um, you know, apply that to my practice in all areas of life. Yeah, I mean, is, is there, I've noticed that you, you know, our friend Tom Lipscomb talks about this idea of highly incentivized deliberate practice I see that with you. Um, so tell us about that. How do you how do you view that? You know, getting yourself ready for the game, so to speak. What are, what are you doing before your meetings to help you prepare and communicate more effectively? Yeah. So I have a whole document just titled his name because he's so inspiring to me. I have you know pages and pages of notes, and I practice and I prepare. I probably spend three hours case prepping practicing language and making sure that I sequence it for each person because each person's different. And at the same time, not just doing it right before a meeting, but having a high uh, deliberate practice. That's just in life too, right? You wake up and you be intentional and you have a routine every morning and it's not going to be the first thing you do is make eat breakfast. But the first thing I do when I wake up is I'll pray and then I'll work out to really get the blood flowing and get that energy started because they always say you're going to feel much better throughout your whole day if you practice gratitude in the form of praying or working out and then that puts me in an energetic mood for the day because I start my day at 4 30 a.m. 
you know, I, I've seen your ability to prioritize. And I've also, um, earlier today, as a matter of fact, I saw you pivot unexpectedly when, you know, you and I had a meeting and it was supposed to be at, I don't know, nine o'clock uh, Hawaii time, but the clients uh, wanted to talk at six. And you're like, sure, you know, and it was 6 a.m. You weren't expecting to be talking with them and you didn't miss a beat. So I'm just curious, like, how do you, how did, what was that like for you? I mean, what was going through your mind when you just made that happen so quickly and unexpectedly? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, so I woke up. I, I don't check my emails because I don't want to have anybody else um, prioritize before me. Not to say that I don't care about people, but I just want to be in myself right when I wake up and have that mindset. I learned that from actually uh, one of the Shark Tank guys. I think it was Damon. And he said, yeah, I start my day just being intentional and not getting distracted with email. So I saw that right at 6 a.m. when I checked emails. And I was like, 12 p.m. Eastern time is right now 6 a.m. Hawaii time. Um, should I just reschedule it or should I just kind of go into it, maybe not being as prepared as I usually am? I said, let's just do it. I just won't have my camera on because I don't have myself made, but let's just do it and um, it really try to be adaptable because adaptability is one of the keys when it comes to, um, you know, just doing well in any business. Oh, I love, I love that word. And, you know, Tom talks about that. He would, he would say adapt to the setting, you know, think what you said earlier, everybody's different and then adapt to what they say or adapt to what is said. And so when, when we had that meeting, you, you actually kept things moving. You were able to, um, add value to them and also keep the process moving along, encouraging them to, to get to the next step. And, and, you know, what, what are we going to do next? That type of thing. And I, um, I know you, you did that, or you referenced that rather in the, in the interview <laughs> alumni uh, paper. So here's a question. You mentioned that you do things that scare you. Um, I think for a lot of people that can feel scary. I mean, I'm observing you do it and it's natural because I know people expect that, but I just know when, when the when I was doing that, you know, for a number of years, it used to it used to scare me. I was like, oh, I don't want to seem pushy. By the way, you don't seem pushy. So what was it like for you the first few times that you found yourself, you know, uh, calling people to take action or, or you know, moving them along in, in your process? Oh, it's so hard because not a lot of people know this about me except for, you know, people in Hawaii is I'm not a social person. I don't have a lot of um, people I hang out with. I've never hung out with anybody since I've been back home in um, May of last year because the pandemic and also I don't have time but so to just call people or to um, reach out to people or even speak to people in general is really scary for me but um, NMF in blue said something to say uh, take interpersonal risk don't be afraid to do that Tom Stewart and that resonated with me that was like the first day I've ever heard him speak and I said okay I'm gonna do that and see where it takes me and if I want to lean into this that's what I have to do and um, you know first you learn with your partners right and see how it is and then I said hey I want to do something that's scary is just starting to take meetings on my own as well and challenging myself and um, by doing that I really learned to find my voice that way and especially by listening to you and Tom and um, really moving people to action that way by just being courageous and being direct as well by also communicating with strength and warmth because nobody uh, you know wants to listen to someone who's weak or perceived weakness oh that's so good it 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love everything that you're saying. It's like you and and you know, for those of you that that may not know this, uh, Randy, you're in the you're like you're in the top echelon of of you know your work and what you're doing. And you know, we're not going to get into details about all that, other than to say that you're crushing it into tiny pieces. <laughs> and um, you know, and I I see that you do it, and it it it. It seems natural to me when I watch it, but I can I know that feeling where it, you're you're nervous on the inside and you do it anyway, and, and then you grow as a result. Um, and I I want to I want to have you talk about what you said about you know what Damon John shared on his uh, TV show The Shark Tank, and that is you're you're making your own time your own. I mean I I know people that and and me I mean this is definitely true. My, my phone is almost attached to me. I get distracted by it. It beeps, it buzzes. I, I can't put it down, get up all the time. So you've already adopted this philosophy of I'm in charge of my day. And I've noticed that you, you seem to have discipline. I notice when, you know, if you interact with something on social media, it seems like it's at a certain time of day, usually in the evening. So tell us about, you know, I know you have a lot of moving pieces throughout your day too. So tell us about your discipline and how you basically take control of your own schedule. I love that question. So here's kind of my own schedule. I, I plan my days two days ahead. So you'll see I have a whole list of things to do with meetings and things. And I'll actually have time, social media, for 30 minutes in the evening after I finish all my work because I don't want to get distracted that way. So I'm very disciplined in that sense. And um, the only form of social media I use is basically Instagram. And then, you know, also I like to do art on the side. So in high school, this resonated with me is I drew this out of scratching paper and it says on the bottom self-control because I was a wrestler in high school it doesn't look really look like it but it's all about discipline and um, I would write self-control on my wrist as well to remind me because there were consequences he, my, our coach always said consequences if you don't do something so if you didn't make your weight class in a given week he would make the whole team do a thousand push-ups on your behalf and I didn't want anybody to do that on my behalf. So I said, I'm going to be disciplined and, um, you know, not eat as much as I should for, you know, that given week and um, always make sure to make my weight. So that's where I think I got that from. Uh, I'm glad you brought wrestling. I mean, there's there's um, there's people in financial services that recruit people that are in college wrestling programs and high school wrestling, getting to know them when they're in college. And the, the reason is, is there so much discipline in there? Uh, there's people that, that you may know of, and, and I know Tom and Chantel uh, know, Pat DeServo and Joe Savino, both were and are very passionate uh, about wrestling and top of their game. I mean, just, just legendary in their world. So you're, you're in good company there. Um, and, you know, I, I've thought about that. I mean, there's some, some things that are unique about wrestling. And, and one thing I've, I've heard, uh, I think it was Joe Savino told me, they said it appears like an individual sport, but it isn't. It's about mm -hmm. so for those of us that aren't as familiar with wrestling, I mean, how how is it that it looks like you're out there fighting one other person or not fighting, competing? So how do you think about, you know, your role on the team uh, when you're wrestling? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And that's what I wrote my college essay on to get into schools, because I said when you're on the mat wrestling, 
it's individual and it's like the spotlight is on you and everybody's just watching you and this other person but that's actually an aggregate of a team um effort because every day you're with your team struggling through it every single day we had 6 a.m lifts and we would be the last team at my high school at school till 7 p.m practicing Sometimes, you know, there'd be the football team or the swim team, but we were all the last one because our coach was one of the strictest in the country and that helped. But he would always emphasize, you know, being a unity and having pride in being with a team and not just that, but representing a team. He would say always, no matter what tournament venue we go to, make the place nicer than when you came there. So he would make our team pick up trash on the bleachers or on the mat and no no other team does that I don't even know if other sports make their team do that but it really helped humble you as well oh that's so good yeah this um let me ask you a question I've just I've, I've always wondered a little bit about this it, it, it has to speak to discipline so um this whole weight thing like you don't weigh enough you weigh too much like I mean how how precise is it? And, and what are some of the extreme things that you've seen people up against? Of they've got to do X with their weight in a short amount of time. I mean, how does that play into your, your matches on a regular basis? Yeah, so luckily I didn't have to do a lot of weight cutting because I didn't want to do that for myself because you're <laughs> growing too in high school. But, um, you know, there's specific weight classes. I was in the 103 weight class. I didn't want to be in the 98 and then there's a 108. But for boys, I guess they have an easier time losing weight. They would, in a week, they could lose eight to 14 pounds if they cut that hard. And then we'd all eat feasts that weekend after a tournament. But the most extreme things I've seen is this one person being a little bit, I think it was a pound over what he was supposed to be. And then we all took off our clothes, our sweaters in the bus, and we threw it on him so that he could sweat. And he was, it was really gross, but he was spitting in a Gatorade bottle to, because you're, yeah, I guess spit weighs a little bit. And then he was wearing a trash bag and running. So it's, it was really severe. <laughs> and that's what you wanted to avoid. So you, it sounds like your, your version of, of avoiding that was doing what you needed to every day. To, it's only five pounds. Like you would, like you had to be in that five pound window or you would be in the wrong class. Did I hear that right? Yeah. So even let's say I weighed in at 104, then I would be um, penalized or have consequences for that. So I would have to weigh in at either 103 exactly or uh, 102 or 101. And I always tried to play it safe and be much under because sometimes scales are different, right? One scale might say this and then you go to there and this scale is totally different. So yeah, it was a bit precise that way. You know, it's, I, I don't remember the movie, but I think it was Martin Lawrence. He was, he was training for some, a role in a movie. I think it was him. And he was in Arizona trying to lose weight and he was running with like a sweater on in the desert. And um, he had, you know, it, he, he had a health issue. I mean, this is a, a movie star dude with all those, all the kind of resources he would have had. So I could imagine, you know, it's not hard trouble with that, with that kind of thing. So I could see where, you know, your, your, your preference of not letting it get to that point was, was a good, uh, was a good approach. And I, and I see you doing that now with your, with your work. I mean, I know, I know how, how you manage uh, to do so many things, just the way you take control of your, of your calendar. Um, when you, when you think about mindsets, I know we've talked a little bit about that. What is, what are some of the mindsets that you've found to be helpful and in overcoming, you know, the, 
um, what word would we say, um, you know, being an introvert. I mean, I'm also an introvert, by the way, and so is Lipscomb. So I just, I don't know if that's the right word to describe it. I think it's probably a spectrum. I don't think we're either, either or, you know what I mean? But like, I'm just curious, like, what mindsets do you have that, that help you do things that are uncomfortable? Um, definitely. Sometimes I like, it's not to say that I'm faking, but I like to pretend that I'm an actress or an actor because in general, I'll be really shy and awkward and I don't interact with people, but I say, hey, I need to be enthusiastic. I need to be outgoing. I need to be engaging and exciting. And so I'm going to do that. And you just tell yourself to do that. And I'll wake up because it's really hard in the morning, um, you know, saying, man, I got school for four hours, for eight hours this one day till 7 p.m. And I'm working and seeing clients. So in general, most people would be like, hey, that kind of sucks. And people tell me, yeah, your life does seem like it's really hard and you need to have fun. But I say, hey, every day I greet this day with love and intent. And, um, you know, I want to radiate light and love with every person I meet because it helps keep things joyful. And instead of thinking of things as obligations, thinking of them as opportunities. So it, it almost seems like you're, you're wrestling against, um, you know, your own mind. We all have to do it, by the way. Like, do you, do you find that your, that your thoughts uh, try to take you in the wrong direction or is it just me? <laughs> what do you mean by that? I'm just like, um, like, you don't want to do something, but you have to like do it, right? Like, you know, you've got to do it and your brain's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't have to do that. So that happens to me sometimes. And like, I'm just picturing you like, like the analogy of like, you're wrestling against yourself as opposed to the mm -hmm. opponent. And you're, you're fighting for your future self doing things that you may not want to do today. I mean, there's, there's something in you that's very much about delayed gratification. That's what I'm sensing. Okay. Yeah. So I'll see something on my list. And for me, it feels almost better to cross something off my list and to just do that. So I don't have to worry about that. So that's what kind of says, okay, I don't want to do X, Y, Z today, but if I do it, it'll feel better and I could do other things. So, um, you know, I'm very disciplined in that way by just saying, okay, I'm going to do it because I don't want to. And I remember a, a professor said uh, in undergrad, he's a UNLV professor for accounting. He said, when you wake up, you do the things that you need to do first, and then you can do the things that you want to do. And I said, hey, that's pretty good, right? You want to do the things that, you know, make you feel like you accomplished something, and then you can have fun and enjoy. But that doesn't happen a lot. I don't really have a lot of fun, but it's okay. <laughs> what what motivates you when you think ahead into the future i mean what do you see i mean i know you're building something and you're building something something exciting i mean what do you when you do you think about like what you're building and what and what you're putting in now uh, you know as a contribution to the thing you're building yeah so i actually had like mental not a mental breakdown but a breakdown the other week because i realized hey i'm graduating hey i'm accomplishing this and I'm getting these awards or um, titles, but what does it mean beyond that? What am I doing for myself? What am I doing socially or personally that I really want as a reward for that? Because rewards are great, but unless it means something deeper than that for something that you're working towards beyond the award, then that's when it starts to make more sense. And I was thinking, what do I really want? I don't, I'm not really, um, motivated by monetary things but I said to myself what I really wanted is to go back to Europe because that's where I feel my home is not to live there but to just take a trip eventually when COVID dies down because I was supposed to be there now for a semester and I was going to be there 
next week too for this other week study abroad thing. That's why I chose Pepperdine and to think that I chose that and the whole opportunity got taken away was really hurtful. So I said, that's what I'm going to do for myself. I'm going to take a trip there and I'm going to enjoy that. And I'm going to try to do that every year um, to go for a period of time back there. Now, when you say it feels like home uh, for you, do you have family there? Have you, have you lived there before? Yeah, so I, I studied abroad there in the Czech Republic, a small country by Germany, and then I uh, interned abroad the following year because I loved it so much. And I just felt like it was a community there. People um, would just be so much nicer and they would make you feel like you're, you're they would just make you feel like you're good when you're talking to them and they actually listen and they care more about um, how they look on social media or what other people think of them. And that's so beautiful to me. And their idea of fun is not um, what w we in America might think. They think just walking, hiking is fun, spending time with people. To me, fun can be just sitting on a river and looking at the river. And that's what I resonate with. And the culture there and the language and the food, that's just what I love. And that's what I, where I feel happy. So um, I want to do what makes me feel happy. That's awesome. And, you know, I've, I've actually noticed uh, something similar. My girlfriend's from Finland and, you know, I spent a little bit of time there and, you know, they're definitely connected with nature and they, they seem to, I mean, they have the technology we do, but they seem to be able to slow down and, and connect. And it sounds like that's what you're experiencing too. Um, is that something like, obviously you're in Hawaii now, do you, is it the ocean? I mean, wh what is that like place for you where you go to, you know, be happy and just kind of step away and, and go off the grid for a little bit? Nowhere. So again, I, I haven't left my house for a long time. Um, as people don't know, I'm um, heliophobic. So I like to say allergic to the sun for fun. I really don't like the beach. I don't like the sun. I don't like the ocean. I don't like the mountains. Not I don't like Hawaii mountains. I like European mountains for some reason because there's so many mosquitoes here. I don't like bugs. So Hawaii is not really a great place for me, but I do have family here and I love that. That's what I love. And um yeah, as you can see, my skin's almost alabaster. It's very white. But for me, my happy place is just making, doing things I like. So making music or doing art or working out or just taking that time. Well, you, I just learned a new word. I've always been afraid of the sun. You know, I hide from it. You know, I'll get in the shade. I'll put on a ridiculous amount of sunscreen. People make fun of me, but like... I, I get it. You know, it's like, it's, um, it, it's funny. You mentioned that, that term. It's like, yeah, it's like, I prefer to not be in the sun. I like nature, but I don't like it when it's hot. So yeah, it, it's, uh, I could see where that's definitely a thing and, and that you would find the climate in Europe to be a bit, a bit different, you know, so that, uh, that, that makes sense. And yet look at the success you're having, right? It's like, it may, you may be in an environment that doesn't feel, feel natural and, and you're just, you're just making it work uh, with a, with extreme focus and discipline um, so I'm, I'm curious about, uh, when you said, um, the idea of a sequence and, and how, so talk to us a little bit about that. Cause I think that's a, that's an important topic for people that are, mm -hmm. that are tuning in. You know, when, when you think about that, tell us, how do you prepare? Are you, are you drawing like little arrows on your notebooks? I mean, I'm just curious, like what that process of, of creation is for you when you're getting ready to, to go into, you know, into a meeting. Yeah, so again, that's based on what I've learned in some communication classes, because I took some really interesting classes like conflict management or resolution and uh, 
you know, communication and love and romance, for example. And I remember one professor said, if you're conflict can actually be healthy sometimes versus holding it in. So if you're going to anticipate, you know, bringing something up to someone that could be uncomfortable, maybe a family member or someone you're having tension with, kind of think what you're going to say first before just saying it, because so many people say things that are hurtful and they have to apologize because they hurt that person's feelings. And I never want to apologize for doing something to someone. So I mean, I'm going to apologize if I do, but I don't want to be in the situation where I have to do that. So I I plan out what I'm going to say. And I practice too. If I'm going to do a casual conversation and tell my mom something, for example, then I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to say this first and then this and then this and then that. And that's what I'll do similarly in the meeting. So for each person, I'll say, what is that thing for them that resonates? What is interesting to them? What is their mindset in regards to what we're specifically talking about? And how am I going to make the message um, compelling to them? So again, I'll do a lot of case notes. I'll say, I'll do this first, this first, this first. And I wish that I could be the kind of person who could just do bullet points, but I'll write out everything I'm going to say verbatim, like a script, and um, it'll help me that way. I love I love that that and what what goes into that I mean it you know it seems to me like you're you're observing this as as if you're that other I mean is that how you think of it it's like if I'm her how would I what would what would get my attention right and you're um, and I know Tom says you know don't thank people for their time I know you don't do that but what you do do is you you don't have to because you're honoring it, right? You're you're giving them value. I think what what people don't always understand is if you give them value, you don't have to thank them for your t- for their time because you've made good use of it, and you don't have to. It's almost like weird. You give them a gift, and you're not, you don't have to say thank you because the thank you is is what you what you uh, did in order to 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 honor their time the way you have. I mean, is that is that how you think about it too? Yeah, well, you actually mentioned to do that more. And I I never thought about that until now to thank someone for their time, because they always tell you to do that in grad school. Thank you so much for listening to our presentation. (laughs) But um, I'm learning now to just say, it's a pleasure to speak with you, or I'm really happy to be talking with you, or I'm glad that our conversation is meaningful today. Because, you know, nobody's time is better than the others. And I remember someone got mad at me one time because... I said, hey, I can't do this because I'm really busy and I have these priorities and it's nothing personal, but I'm just really busy. And he's like, your time is not more important than mine and don't ever think that it is. And I said, I didn't say that. I just said, I'm busy. I didn't say your time is less than mine, but um, you could respect that. I'd appreciate that. So communicating um, that too, communicating what you actually meant is also um, helpful. Okay, so that person was not respecting your boundary, and that person, um, I mean, look, I, I have a hard time saying no. That's something I deal with to this day, um, and I think boundaries are, are, what can happen is people will, will encroach, and, and, and what's funny is the people that don't respect your boundaries the most are the ones that, that get all annoyed like that. Like, that was an appropriate reaction, right? What you said, you know, I think when people do stuff like that, they they don't know how to have their own boundaries or they just don't respect them or whatever, but like great response and respect. Mm-hmm. And yet you didn't say, Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me just waste my time for you, Steve. You know, you know what I mean? Like you didn't do that. Uh, so that's, that's instructive in a lot of ways because you don't have time. Like you've got so many things you're working on. And even if you, 
even if what you want to do is stare at the wall, that's not his, he doesn't get to decide where you spend your time. Right. I mean, that's the, that's what I love that you've, you've, uh, you've implemented that. And, and you know, that, that, how do you feel when you, when you, um, is, is that uncomfortable at the time or is that just natural for you to, you know, be able to hold your boundaries like that? Oh, I do that for everyone. And I, I learned this from Jessica, who's a recruiter in our, um, business development in NM Hawaii and I was having a really hard time and it was after a really really great week and I was saying why am I crying when all these really great things happen I should be celebrating right but I realized I was really lonely and um and it was because of school and work and all the pressure there so I couldn't go out to my grandma's or my step-grandma's 90th birthday and I was like so I'm saying no to family too. I spent Easter alone because not because I wanted to, because I wanted to be rude and say, Hey, I don't want to, but it's like, I have deadlines and obligations with work and school. So I need to do that. And I'm sorry, but Jessica told me you need to not be so apologetic or not explain yourself all the time. If you can't do something and people should respect and understand that. And ultimately they'll love you and understand that you are working hard and, once things do settle down, then uh, I can hopefully spend time with people again. Uh, that's, yeah, there's, there's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a growth thing and an opportunity, I think, for a lot of us is that it's, you know, we don't have to apologize for, for that, right? It's like, that's a decision that, that you needed to make. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about the idea of, of, of communication. And so you mentioned, I think you said, intrapersonal relationships or romantic relationships, some, something like that, right? Um, so that, those conversations can be emotionally charged and, you know, I, I just wonder what are, what are some techniques you found helpful, whether, you know, when you're having a, a conversation with someone close to you, um, are there some tools you've found when you're, you're feeling yourself, um, almost go into conflict and, and say something you might later regret? Like, how do you keep yourself from doing it? <laughs> oh yeah. Great. So my mom, she's so confused at how I do it. But when I talk to someone, let's say in an argument, I'll never raise my voice and I'll never swear or say something hurtful. But and I'll even say it while I'm saying it. I'm like, I want you to know I'm having a calm, um, um, you know, tonality when we're talking. But this is what I'm saying. And I hope that you can um, listen and understand because I'm hearing what you're saying, too. But sometimes it's hard to listen if you're um escalating right and then it makes you the other person want to escalate but it doesn't do anybody good to get all boiled up or to say things with anger i don't believe in saying things with anger and to hurt people's feelings so to really just say things so it doesn't seem intimidating to the person or it doesn't make them feel low or insecure because that's not how i want to be talked to so i'm going to talk to people how i want to talk be talked to yeah it's you know it's it's you can you can speak to people in a calm way and it's i think it goes back to what you said about strength and warmth it's like you can you can have authority and 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 you know hold your power and still be respectful i mean is that is that more or less like the it's like hey i'm, gonna, I'm you're not gonna get me to do something i don't want to do but i'm also gonna be respectful i, I mean it, it, does that keep it from escalating and, and keep them hopefully in a better <laughs> their side of the communication um you know a little bit more um um moderated i guess we could say definitely yeah definitely well some people you can't always they can't always change how they are um you could try but um some people don't always do a growth 
uh, mindset or they want to grow. But if they do, or if they are willing to listen and are willing to engage that way, then that's great. But if not, then um, it's still okay to talk with them and to have them say what they're saying. But because we, we can't always control how people feel or act. You know, it's so I, I listened to podcasts and the, the conversation was um, about about dogs and, and alpha dogs specifically. It was the I think it was the Things You Should Know podcast uh, one day last year. And the woman had, had uh, done some writing and, and she actually learned this from an actual dog she had. And she had a dog and the dog was, uh, you know, a pit bull or something, you know, a pretty aggressive dog. And she needed to, you know, basically assert her dominance over the dog because she was in charge. And, you know, the, the thing she was learning is that she would yell and she would scream. And then she took a class and they're like, yeah, don't do that. And she's like, why not? I got a dog who's boss. And I said, an alpha dog doesn't need to yell. An alpha dog is already in charge. So, so you're being the alpha dog. You know, you don't have to yell. You don't have to get, you know. You're just like, you have your power. And, and the, the dog that barks louder um, is doing it because that's all they've got, right? And I, I think about that when I see somebody rev their car really loud. I'm like, yeah, you're not fast. You know what I mean? Like, like if all you got is yelling and screaming, then you don't have a case. I just, I just, that was what I was thinking of when you were saying how you, you know, maintain your power. Because you know they're not going to rattle you. So, so you, you, you know, does that, does that resonate with you? Just as like a communication style? Oh my God. Yes. I was just going to say that resonates with me. And then you asked me the question, but definitely because um, at the same time, when at, like thinking it from your perspective, we also can choose if we want to let it affect us or if we want to let it get to us. And what I've realized by this new busy schedule within just the past year is, and it's a quote from a book called the greatest salesman in the world by OG Mangino, maybe you heard of it. And he says, from this moment on, all hate is left from my veins. And I realized that's so true because I don't really have time to be angry or hurt. Like, let's say someone says something really mean to me or hurts me or does something not cool. Maybe I'll be like hurt for like um, an hour at tops. And then I'm like, okay, I have so much to do. I have to move on. I have to bounce back up because, you know, success will not wait. If she does, um, she'll be betrothed to another. So that's another quote from that book. Oh, I love that. It, yeah. Yeah. You're so, you're so right. It's like, yeah. How, how do you, how do you respond? Because we, you, you said it a little while ago, we can't control, you know, when, and it, it, it's hard, at least for me, not to get rattled when somebody's being all crazy and yelling and screaming and throwing stuff or whatever. Um, but I think what you're saying is like, hey, you got to find that, uh, find that, find that inner peace or, or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, you know, in the in the alumni piece that they wrote about you, I think you said something like, hey, you know, I'm I'm connecting with people that are, you know, uh, a fair number of years older than me. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned is that you, um, you, you, you respect their time and you prepare. And I know that's true. What occurs to me right now is that you've accumulated more wisdom than a lot of those people um, in the however many years you've had. I think you're you're spending your time. Um, I don't think you spend 12 hours a day on Netflix, for example. You know, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, it's just, it's not about how many years we've been on the planet as much as it's about what we do with those years. So, you know, you, you're, you're probably 55 years old in terms of like the reading and stuff you're doing. So it's, uh, it's, it's cool to see that, to see that in action. So the, 
you know, I would just say to you that when your friends say, you know, there's not much fun in your life, well, you're accumulating uh, crusheration that is, is uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, in 20 years, you're not going to be working quite as hard and, and it's going to be because of what you built, you know, so it's, uh, it, it's, it's cool to see what, what you're building right now. I can already see what it's going to be like in 2031 and 2041. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, yeah, just, just keep being you. That's all I can say about that. It's, uh, it's impressive. Um, Thanks. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, so as we get ready to wrap up, I mean, I, I think we covered most of the broad topics, but what did, what did we miss? What are some, some things we should close on, just things that, that might come to mind for you tonight? Oh, <laughs> I wouldn't know. I'm like, I'm pretty random. Oh, well, I think like another great way um, to be intentional and, you know, just really be more cultural is to practice a language every day, because that also helps with my communication too is by being unfamiliar with other communication so I've been teaching myself Russian and um, Dutch and Czech and Polish and that makes me happy that's my fun part one lesson a day and that helps me speak better in English as well because I notice in grad school there were a lot of Chinese students and sometimes they'll actually have better English than Americans because Americans we speak very casual to each other but there's learning the grammar and the structure and so it ends up being better but yeah just really um leaning into that as well doing things that are uncomfortable and that are unknown and leaning into the with curiosity because i also think what's important is when we don't understand things or when we have differences with people let's lean into their differences mm -hmm. and be culturally curious okay so so yes all right let's go back so um those languages that you mentioned aren't commonly something I encounter people that are learning. There's like, what, four or five? How many, well, how many are there that you're learning right now? You said Russian, uh, I do how many Pol Polish, Czech, Russian, and Dutch. I've, you know, I've kind of tried to do 12, but I'm, I wanted to focus more on um, ones that I'm really interested in. And I'm really, I'm a Russophile. It's weird. I have a love of Russian culture and Slavic culture, so that's why I'm doing that. But um, yeah, I think even though nobody really speaks it in Hawaii or not too much in the mainland too, I call it the mainland, um, I just like it for myself. And I watch uh, videos of Russian interviews or listen to Russian songs and that helps as well. That is, that is amazing. Yeah, those are, those are you know, I've, I've got to think with your background of communication, like the you know, I always think about like people that that, um, you know, that come here, you know, from from another country and they learn English or they, you know, I mean, like, man, those that's that is a different level of intelligence. Right. I mean, if you put me in Russia right now, I'd probably last I, maybe a few minutes, maybe, you know, so it's like that what you're, <laughs> what you're building in your brain. I'm just sitting here thinking that is that is incredible. So you're when you say you're teaching it, like how does one go about teaching themselves these new languages i mean what 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 are you doing how do you do that yeah so the what gave me that epiphany was my sophomore year in high school i saw the russian gymnastics team and i was like they're pretty cool i want to know more about them just for fun and when i in googled or youtube interviews of russian gymnasts they were speaking russian and i couldn't understand that i'm like i want to understand that so the only way to understand is to learn russian so i you know, found the Russian alphabet. And then I uh, joined the Russian club because they're 
where, where you didn't even really learn Russian. But then in 2016, I learned of this app called Duolingo. And I already knew the alphabet by then and how to read. But that's how I kind of taught myself is through Duolingo and also through Russian singing TV shows. And my mom thinks that's so crazy. But I think it's unique and cool. <laughs> Well, you know, I just I just have to say as we wrap up, it is it's very interesting. And, you know, your clients are, are fortunate to have you and they're going to continue to be. And, um, you know, I'm glad uh, glad you and me got connected. And, you know, you're uh, you're in a great a great space and there's there's so much frustration ahead for you. I mean, I've, I've seen what you've already done and I know I know what's ahead. So, Miranda, thanks for thanks for being here. I, I hope we can do this again sometime. I think we could, there's so many more topics I know we could go into. Yeah. And well, I just want to say one last thing. You're the ultimate crusher, crusher, because you're like that bulldozer paving the way. And then all the other crusher machines can follow because of your <laughs> uh, crusheration. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you. And we will, we will do this again. Uh, have a good, uh, have a good uh, afternoon or evening. <laughs> all right. You too. Thanks, Will. Take care. Bye.